0: Hello, sweet fam. Welcome to the NetSuite Podcast, or welcome back to our loyal listeners. I'm Kendall Fisher, your usual host, but on this episode, I've handed the mic over to our content marketing manager, Ian McHugh. He's chatting with Lee Buescher, founder of Architectural Overflow, a commercial and residential architectural services company. Lee kicks things off by diving into his background and how he started and grew the business, noting a partnership with Southern Living as a pivotal moment of growth. You'll have to tune in to hear what impact that had. He then dives into some of the challenges architectural overflow hit while running on QuickBooks especially around e-commerce, and why the business ultimately decided to implement NetSuite 10 years ago. Lee explains how NetSuite has helped the business better serve its customers, explaining why they recently added suite projects to handle the complexities of project management and how it provides clients with increased visibility into project progress, including project profitability. He then concludes with his number one piece of advice for fellow founders. So keep listening to find out what it is coming up next. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. Hey there, Lee, how's it going
1: today?
2: Great, Ian. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, really excited to uh, talk to you today, learn a little bit more about your, your business. So, Lita, to, to kick us off, could you just tell us, kind of in your own words, exactly what Architectural Overflow does? Oh, good question.
2: Well, I would say, you know, we really have two primary offers. First, we kind of provide architectural services for developers, builders, architects, and homeowners. And secondly, we provide an e-commerce platform for shelter publications and smaller architectural firms uh, to sell home designs.
1: Great, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And what what do you think makes you different from your your typical custom home design firm that's helping you build a plan for a custom home and you know, kind of guiding you through that that process?
2: Sure. I think we you can look at the market a couple of different ways so if you look specifically at the architectural services side of our business we, we differ in a couple of ways um, much of our consumer work is really focused in the pre-drawn house plans industry which is you know people look for designs and you know traditionally it was in magazines or books and you know now it's on the internet As that's taken over there's thousands of websites people can f- find ideas these would be specifically the architectural designs. It's a, a good option for people that want to do a custom home but maybe get a little more value than going directly to you know a high-end architecture firm. And secondly, we customize those plans so people buy them online from you know from a myriad of websites or magazines and then we customize these plans for their specific needs or building locations, which is you know, a little different than a traditional kind of one-off firm and then a lot of our work we're really partnering with other firms architects being one of our primary clients so we're producing construction documents for them helping them out with overflow work as the name implies a little bit Um, and we partner with these smaller offices and sole proprietors that just need help producing work especially as, as busy as it's been the last couple of years
1: so you're working with both people that are actually, you know, designing their own home as well as firms that are helping people build, build homes or just building homes and developments and stuff like that?
2: That is correct. That's correct. And really just design from scratch, we do a little bit of it, but not a ton. We just do uh, some small projects, starting to get some larger ones in that, in that methodology.
1: And it seems like a, a lot of your work uses CAD software and, and building information modeling. Could you explain how you use those those technologies and do they you know do they make it a little more cost effective to to build a custom home than it is with an architect drawing up plans just for you
2: sure you know cad or computer-aided design has really been around since the early 90s especially in the residential side and it was really about you know initially it's really just more than electronic pencil you really saved the, the architectural firm time and Prevent it, you know. Produced more accurate drawings than when you drew everything by hand. We don't do a lot of, you know, BIM or building information modeling necessarily in the residential side of things, and it sort of depends on how you define that term. There's a lot of pieces behind that, from, you know, carrying it from design specification all the way through construction and maintenance. I think for homeowners, really. It's about leveraging um, tools that produce, you know, 3D modeling, being able to visualize the home. So how we create these documents, you know, has changed with BIM specifically. But, you know, how much of that data, we might not have a lot of the data on the back end, but we do produce the modeling and the, you know, the visualization that really helps people see the space. And I think that's one of the challenges for any homeowner uh, is visualizing that, those 2D documents in 3D.
1: And just getting into your background uh, a, a little bit more kind of personally in the, the history of the company, you started this company 2007, so a ways back now. Did you kind of have a background in architecture or home design, home building, and, and what led you to start your own company?
2: Sure. I, I did go to school for architectural design uh, a long time ago. CAD was really just starting to become prevalent in the industry surprisingly my my actual first job was uh, designing I worked for a firm that designed and built data centers so um, computer rooms all over the country um, and that really gave me a big background on mechanical electrical fire life safety systems in addition to you know residential and construction so I really primarily worked in commercial initially but I think anybody that goes to school for architecture or enjoys, home, you know, design always dreams about home design, always wants to do residential.
1: And why did you decide, I want to do my own thing and, and I <laughs> yep. want to start, start my own company?
2: Sure. Well, originally AO, Architectural Overflow, was, as the name implies, it was a, a freelance drafting service that I basically did in the evenings. And that's how I started it. And I probably did that for 10 years. I always did want to potentially have my own firm or company, but life gets busy. Um, You know, I was working, um, work and personal life demands, right? You have kids, all that stuff. And um, so I kind of shut it down for a long time. Um, In its current iteration, though, when I did start it up again in 07, um, I was working for a shelter publication uh, in the housing of market pre-drawn plans and that was sold uh, to a private investment group and uh, as, a, as a lot of times happens in those transitions um, a large uh, populace of the company is looking for their next opportunity as i was and i had been helping out an architect friend of mine in atlanta for a year on some projects and surprisingly a group of projects came up at that time So I fired AEO back up again and uh, we started doing it. Um, To say it was an interesting time to start a residential design firm is probably an understatement. (laughs) And I I did question uh, my decision a few times, but I always uh, kept battling forward and I figured if I could survive this uh, the largest housing recession in history, I could survive anything. So here we are today.
1: Yeah, yeah, what a time to start a, a home design business. So the, the roots of this company really go back before 2007, just as more of a, a of a side job. Is that fair?
2: A little bit, yeah. I mean, in the early days, it was really commercial work, though, that I, I was doing. I, I mean, I did a couple of houses, but it was almost all commercial work at that time.
1: Gotcha. And so, you know, you start this company in 2007, obviously, some tough years for the, the housing market right after that. But were there any kind of key moments in the history of architectural overflow where you said this company, you know, really has legs, I'm actually building something that, that has real potential here and could you could you share some of those those moments with us and, and maybe what they were like to, you know, experience as, as the owner as well? Sure. I in the big moment
2: I mean I think there was one in particular. You know, we were working on we were doing small projects all over the country, but I had made a lot of connections at my um, prior firm and uh, continued to do some small, you know, houses and manufactured housing, you name it. We worked on a number of different things. Um, And then in early 2010, um, Southern Living Magazine approached us to really take over the management of their house plans business, which included... You know, e-commerce, um, CRM, sales, customer service, service, fulfillment, accounting, and that, that really launched our firm into what we are today. I mean, it was, we didn't have a system in place at all at the time, um, but I told them we could do it. And here we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Say yes and, and figure out the rest later, right? That's exactly, the, exactly. the entrepreneurial mindset in a nutshell. Surprisingly,
2: I did go on vacation the next day, so uh, I might have spent a lot of vacation time thinking about the next steps when I returned, but <laughs> uh, the kids were young then, so it was all right. I was able to work early in the morning.
1: So obviously, that was a, a really big turning point for the business back in, in 2010, has the business kind of just expanded and evolved since then as, as well? Would you say how has it maybe changed or or evolved both since you started it and maybe since 2010 when the business took on more of its current form?
2: For sure. I mean, there was there was tough years too. It's not easy when, I mean, anytime you work with a large company, they have their own challenges and and they were still, you know, reeling from the reduction in advertising, you know, due to that housing crisis. So. It was lean times for them as well, and and they weren't willing to make a lot of investments and other things. And so it's always finding ways and opportunities um, to, you know, grow organically and and, and do slow things. Um, And, you know, we really focused on doing work for consumers in those early years. Um, But I think we changed, you know, it was maybe five years ago, six years ago, we decided as a group to really start focusing on some clients that could provide some repeat business, so business-to-business clients, specifically um, developers and architects. Um, And I think we really enjoy uh, working with traditional architecture. Um, We do a fair amount of our work in the southeastern US, uh, which obviously has a lot of great history and architectural styles. We enjoy that work. We enjoy sort of new urbanist development, you know, really smart growth and support that and um, so we work with a lot of firms that do work on those kind of projects and it's it's unique and really enjoyable i think the staff enjoys it as well it's a good mix and a good variety
1: yeah absolutely and you've been with netsuite for 11 years now as we were kind of talking about before we we hit record here but do you remember what led you to to look for a new business management system back in 2010 was it the the southern living deal or you said we need something better than what we have right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that was really the driving force uh, behind implementing something. I had continued to research it after I'd left my um, previous firm, and I did a lot of um, operational work for them as well. So I was on a lot of those teams that looked at systems or decided how we were moving forward um, for operational-type systems. So I always kept an eye on them, and I was always researching and looking hoping to do my own thing. Um, and it was uh, you know, fortunate that they reached out to us and really gave us a launch. And um, yeah, put together a loan with the bank, borrowed some money from family, and figured out how to implement NetSuite. And while we were targeting 90 days, it took us 120. And that was, you know, that was the early days. That was before these you know, sweet success packs that uh, companies have now that really help us you know, quickly get them up to speed.
1: Yeah, I think one hundred and twenty days is is nothing to uh, sneeze at. You know, that's uh, still a still pretty good turnaround time, especially in in twenty ten and with some of the horror stories you hear about ERP. I think uh, most people will be thrilled to get it done in four months. Uh, yeah,
2: and it, it, you know it's challenging. You know, it's a bu- You know, the business is not that large. You know, from a revenue standpoint, it's it's somewhat um, complicated. You know, business it, even though it's smaller, it still has all the same needs as a large business, right? All the different components, all the different functions uh, need to work. So, and NetSuite was really the best option at the time.
1: And at that, before NetSuite, you, you were using QuickBooks, I think, like, like most small businesses do, you know, when they, they get started. What limitations were you maybe having with QuickBooks? What um, did you say we need from our, our next system that, that QuickBooks or any, anything else you were using can't meet?
2: Yeah, QuickBooks is correct. That's what we were using. Um, again, like you said, as a lot of firms do, it really was satisfying our need at the time for the the amount of work we were producing and the type of work, but I knew it would never support, um, you know, our e-commerce platform that we wanted to put together. And as part of that Southern living project, um, and even the stuff that we wanted to do on our own, we needed, you know, more functionality, um, so it was, it was just an evolution, and, and we knew we were going to get there eventually, and that was just the kickstart we needed.
1: 2010, you know, I think was a, a long time ago, especially in technological terms. A lot obviously changed since then with the speed at, at, at which things move. So kind of along those lines, why did you think we want a cloud finance system at that time? I don't think it was necessarily the go-to thing that, you know, this is what everyone's doing. It, it seems like it was starting to catch on i feel like at that time but it wasn't the default so was that an important factor in your decision or something that that you thought kind of hard about
2: yeah absolutely uh, you know i think it, when i was initially researching it i think it was still called net ledger yet for all those old uh older gentlemen and ladies out there <laughs> yeah. it's uh it became before it became Netsuite. but you know we we used some homegrown systems that are other firm and we you know we were kind of approaching it from a catalog style almost you know we were early to the e-commerce game i think we launched our first database driven website back in 97 uh, on a netscape platform uh, probably running on a mac or something in the closet and so over the years that evolves and you know i kind of knew firsthand what supporting an on-premise system involved not only from, you know, the capital expenditure, the cost to put it up, but then also the maintenance, you know, having managing the IT side of it. And also really to do it right. I mean, you can put a system in place, but can you keep it up 24-7 and have redundant failure for everything and all the security? It was just something I knew we didn't want to do uh, in-house. I knew this was sort of the future, um, was the direction we wanted to go. And I was looking at stuff for years. Um, and NetSuite really just not only offered the most comprehensive functionality at the time, but it was really the best performance for a web-based system. I mean, this was pre-Web 2.0, so systems were notoriously slow. And connections to the Internet, you know, you you were happy if you had a T1 line, which, you know, is super slow compared to today's connections. And they really had a good solution on, on how they solved that with, you know, a good blend of server-side and, client side scripts and really provided uh, you know a good performing solution for the web and that was one of the main reasons we went that direction.
1: I think it's so interesting that you know you're you're not necessarily the the typical small business buyer in the sense that you have this this background in technology you're keeping up with this stuff even aside from looking for the system for your business you know you're just staying on top of these things so it makes sense that you would uh, be on more of the cutting edge if you will and and know that this is the the way things are going to go and you know 11 years later i think uh, it's pretty clear that the cloud is the way to go <laughs> to, put it, yeah. to well, put it for
2: for sure for Simple. sure now it seems like an easy decision but back then it was a little it was a little harder i mean i think we knew we wanted to do it but it was you know it was definitely a risk there wasn't uh, you certainly didn't have you know hundreds of examples out there to look at and say okay this is how we should do it um you know you sort of took your business processes and said okay this is the way we need to make it work in the cloud and uh we pulled it off, but it was, yeah, it was, de- it was certainly um, not as prevalent as it is today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Does your business have trouble managing
2: inventory, projects, or even getting paid on time? Don't let spreadsheets and QuickBooks hold you back. If you want to get your business to a better place, take action now and make the move to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product
0: tour at netsuite.com business. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com business, netsuite.com business.
1: Thinking back to when you first kind of got up and running in, on suite started using it day in, day out, what do you think were some of the the, the biggest improvements you, you saw right away after switching from uh, QuickBooks and any of those other solutions you were using at that time?
2: Yeah, and it really, you know, funny, it really wasn't uh, about the improvements for us, uh, Ian. It was really, in reality, we were launching a whole suite of apps and capabilities that we just didn't even have before in-house, right, taking on this functionality. So it was really about... Empowering our users internally with tools that could satisfy, you know our customer and in turn their customers um, and really Do something that our competitors couldn't offer um, At the time and it's paid off with a you know a long-term relationship
1: and how could you get into kind of the details if you will of of how NetSuite helped you meet your customers Expectations or, or serve your customers maybe better than you could before sure
2: i think just having everything in one spot right everything in one system uh being able to handle calls you know integrated with the e-commerce platform all of our orders obviously the industry was migrating from phone-based ordering to internet-based ordering i think at the time in 2010 it was i believe it was still heavier maybe 65 percent maybe even 70 percent of the orders were handled over the phone at that time um just as people were still ramping up you know high-speed internet connections everything at their house and certainly you know uh, mobile phones weren't as prevalent you know right it's, the iphone was only been out three years right and before that it was you know nothing you'd use mobile and today i think it's you know seventy. 70, 75 percent is done over the internet and a good 40 to 50 percent, you know, from some sort of a mobile device, whether it's a tablet or a phone.
1: So you, you've been using NetSuite for 11 years now. Could you talk a little bit about how your use of the system and, and maybe some of the different modules or applications you're using, how that's grown since you, you first signed up back in 2010? Yeah, I mean,
2: like I said, it was really new for the whole organization. We offered, you know, a kind of new functionality for everybody. And Honestly, we you know, we have every employee on it, some even some of our contractors in you know, in some form. You know, we sort of start out with an employee center where people can at least track time for payroll or contract work to projects. Um, and then just keeping it easy and then really just access to having one spot. You know, we have offices in three locations and it's worked out really well and You know, surprisingly, you know, all this web-based systems came into play and made a lot of sense. Um, Obviously, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, we were sort of up and running within a half an hour all over the place. Uh, We had already kind of been in that mode. Um, I think the value of having all the different modules from order entry, customer service, you know, the sales force, everything tracked in one spot. It allows people to check status and understand what's happening with, with orders without having to call and check in with everybody. It's all kind of one central truth. Um, you know, and we use it for everything, order entry, customer service, fulfillment, financials, payroll, project tracking, marketing, e-commerce, analytics. I'm starting to sound like Evan Goldberg here. I'm going to have a commercial. <laughs>
1: We we don't have time to get into all that. Although it's such an extensive use, we could probably spend the rest of it naming off products that you use. Um, but one one product I did want to ask you about specifically, Lee, is is Sweet Projects, which I know you're kind of still in the process of adding. But first of all, I just want to ask, why did you decide to add Sweet Projects? What's the the need for it?
2: Yeah, and we you know we've been using sort of the standard built-in functionality of Projects um, since we started, um, which If, you know, on the technical side of things, it really behaves as sort of a unique or special kind of sub-customer. So you can tie multiple projects to to a customer and track all that data and, you know, an invoice at that project level. sort of rolls up to the customer. But, you know, and we customized the system and added some fields to really track that data. And for our smaller residential projects, it really... Served its purpose. You know, these were three to five week type projects, maybe one or two people involved in the company. Easy to sort of get get those out with that base system, and keep track of things, right? Um, but now, as we've grown, um, the offices have gotten larger. We've added another city. It's just the complex projects have grown as well. You know, we went from small single family homes and cabins to you know larger homes townhomes condominiums mixed-use projects with some commercial space live work just projects that take a lot longer time-wise to track and also more parties involved and just that visibility um, was really the biggest piece and it was really the project profitability beyond even the tracking Um, it's easy when you can look at something and say okay this should be you know a 40-hour project or an 80-hour project and you just sort of keep an eye on it with the time track to it but when you're utilizing outside sources and costs are coming from multiple locations it's really there was no way to report on that with the standard projects not easily you had to run sort of multiple reports and then try to combine the data Um, and even then you really wouldn't get to it so it was really about starting to understand kind of that project profitability and uh, Really supplying that visibility to our project managers, or as we call them, studio leads uh, in the office—sort of the people that manage projects at each of the locations.
1: Yeah, I love the the level of detail there. It really helps me understand, you know, exactly why you need this and and, and how you're going to use it moving forward. So when you said, you know, we need some sort of more robust solution to to help us with these these project-based tasks did you look elsewhere did you look at non-net suite solutions and and if so what stood out about suite projects compared to some of those those other options out there
2: yeah we did we looked at several Um, there was a couple of needs you know we have some of our larger architect clients you know we may have 12 to 15 projects going on simultaneously with each of them and they wanted some visibility, and, and that's really what triggered us to start looking at some different systems. And we did. We looked at Monday.com, Asana, uh, Reich, really were the three sort of front runners that we investigated and, you know, did some trial runs on. And they all had their pros and cons, and some are certainly easier to use. Um But it all came down to that last factor, and it sort of just reminded me of why I went with NetSuite in the first place, was keeping everything in one spot. Um, There was no good way, there was no reason to have to double enter financial data and try to track that on a project-based system. It just didn't make sense. Um, With all that financial data already in NetSuite, I knew there had to be a way to figure this out, and and Suite Projects is going to solve that um, for us.
1: And what what do you think? Just high level, or some of the biggest benefits you're expecting to see with with suite projects? What things might it make easier, cheaper, faster? All those the, those things that you know we, we hope to solve with software.
2: Sure, sure. Well, as you mentioned, Ian, we're still in the in the process. You know, I'm hoping to deploy it here in early fourth quarter. We're kind of in the final stages of testing uh, the workflows. But again, I think it's the visibility for our project managers or the studio leads again. Uh, for them to see where projects are at, you know, an easy way for them to see every week, every day, sort of what's going on. And, you know, we believe in sort of keeping all the employees in the loop as well. So them having access to it as well, they can see sort of what the the scope of the work is and where they need to be and what their targets are. And I think it You know, provides them visibility into it, the process as well and gives them tools to help stay on track.
1: And you, you mentioned that you're using you know some of the resources in, in NetSuite to, to handle this now, but are things being tracked manually to some degree now, or, or were you handling some of the stuff that suite projects will be able to tackle that the, the base NetSuite solution isn't necessarily capable of?
2: Yeah, no, we, I mean, we, we handled some of the stuff through the customization piece, but it's just the reporting and, and really that that project process. And I think, you know, as these projects get more complex as well, Um, And we have different types of projects. Um, Suite projects gives us some flexibility on the billing side of things, whether we're doing it hourly or flat rate at milestones. You know, people won't forget to invoice at milestones, Um, and just more flexibility in how we bundle our services to different clients will all be built in. You know, and I think it's going to help us really take the next step and look at what types of work. Is the most profitable for our organization what what projects do we struggle with you know do we is it a you know as an employee or team issue or is it a you know are we not estimating high enough do we need to change our rates in some cases and just looking at that and, and really focusing on what types of projects make the most sense for our organization and and this is going to help us identify that a lot quicker than the way it is today
1: yeah, that makes a lot of sense to be able to know where your highest profitability is coming from, what projects you should focus on, um, you know, in, in the future that are going to obviously drive more more of that bottom line money for the business. So, just looking at the company a little bit, Lee, and and kind of your plans beyond Netsuite, just as a business, what do you think the the company's plans are for for the near future and to some degree, how could Netsuite help you get there? But mostly, I'm just curious: where's where's the business going? How do you see the business continuing to grow, continuing to evolve in the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, I think working to get you know our sort of key customers and partners visibility into their projects and workflow as well. Um, you know, because it's tough when you're utilizing you know an outsource company like ours. Um, you know, you have clients calling to check on status, and, you know, you don't have time to send 15 messages a day to six different people on our end to find out where, where some project is. So allowing them to have some visibility into that workflow will be, will be valuable and, and time-saving and certainly unique in our field. Uh, also, you know, we're looking to expand our e-commerce uh, platform offerings, you know, provide a better customer consumer experience. Um improve you know some marketing, um, you know our electronic marketing, and then tracking those campaigns. Uh, we're working a little bit with the sweet commerce team on a project right now and how we might deploy some of those uh, in the future to you know additional domains and websites.
1: When you talk about giving some of your your partners and and customers' visibility is the goal for them to be able to access the the system to some degree or some of the reports that you put together that way like you said you're not constantly trading messages with them
2: yeah absolutely you know any, kind of a web portal where they can check on the status of projects and, and just see even who's working on it and just where it's at um, are gonna be kind of the key things right and nothing to you know they may want to add some tasks you know we'll have, you know we'll look at it. different different clients will have different needs but I think, you know, being able to provide that flexibility, uh, you know, is something that we can do uniquely, um, compared to our competitors.
1: And just as a, as a founder, I want to close with, with one question. Um, you know, you're someone who started a successful business and, and like you said at the beginning, it started as kind of something you did after hours after your day job. But if you could just give founders one piece of advice on how to successfully start and run a business, what, what would that be? What would you tell them? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I
2: think I look back at really two things. Um, Sort of know your numbers, understand your key metrics. You know, what are those? What are those? Kind of boil down to the three or four sort of key things that drive, um, you know, your work, right? You know, is, is it leads to proposals to projects? what kind of multiplier do you need or, you know, gross profit margin on projects. And, and then really just trying to manage that and understand it. and Because you may think it, you're going to feel like it's one thing, but when you see the actual numbers, you know, it helps you make decisions when you know it's another one. Um, and I think secondly, you know, really goes down to the part of the reason why we went with NetSuite in the first place. You know, I've worked at a number of firms and consulted for others over the years, and I don't think you can underestimate the value of having – Sort of a comprehensive, cohesive system, and having all that data in one place, even though it might not be best to breed. I know that's a big trend right now. People, you know, take a bunch of best to breed systems, connect them all, but it still involves a lot of management and keeping track of it, and contracts, and I don't think you can underestimate the value of having it all locked in one place. Understanding every time you touch, you know, touch that customer, every time they touch your organization, and being able to connect that data over time it's you know we feel like it's going to really pay off for us
1: certainly great advice there and i i think know your numbers you know it's simple right but it's it's absolutely critical and if you don't do it you're going to be in trouble pretty quickly probably so i think most people uh, have to have to learn that on short notice all right well thank you so much lee for joining us today really appreciate your time and, and sharing all these great insights about architectural overflow yeah
2: i really appreciate it ian thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure
0: Well, you know, we could not agree more with that advice. Know your numbers and find a system that makes that easier for you. Hey, we know a company that could help. Wink, wink. Anyway, thank you as always to Ian McHugh for hosting this episode and to Lee Buescher for joining. I also want to shout out to our editing crew over at Lampstand. And y'all know I would never end an episode without thanking you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check the link in the description of this episode to learn more. And hey, if you like what you learned, be sure to subscribe to our channel and like and review this episode if you're so inclined. Thank you and chat with you soon. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.